What's happening and welcome to another Crossroads Connect podcast. Here we discuss everything from current Crossroad events, the trending topics, and how we can reconcile God's truth with the real world we live in. Check, check, waves. Check, I check. I have some waves. Good. Check, one. Microphone waving is good. Sweet. Check, check, check. I look good. I'm not peeking. All is well. All is well. All right. Let me get my notes up here. All right. Well, hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Crossroads Connect podcast. I'm here today with Pastor Matt Manning, and we are going to talk about some really fun stuff today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our favorite uh, Christmas office episodes, which is going to be awesome. We're going to talk a little bit about the meaning of Christmas and why do we celebrate it. And uh, lastly, we're going to talk about what do we do with Santa Claus? I know that a lot of people have that question. Uh, is it okay to uh, teach our kids about Santa? Is it okay to celebrate that in our Christmas uh, traditions? And so uh, lots of good stuff happening today. Uh, I feel like there's something going on on the other end over there, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing good. My kids came down for a visit. You were doing this, you know, this remote thing because of COVID stuff. And so my kids wanted to do a quick visit. So I heard the earthquake coming down the stairs and then their faces turned around the corner. And so <laughs> anyways, if you heard the rumble, if there was a rumble on the podcast, that was that's what happens in my house. I know that rumble all too well, Matt. So, uh, but that's cool. Uh, Matt, I know that you and I are both big fans of The Office and uh, there's lots of, of really good stuff out there. Actually, you shared with me the oral history of The Office, a podcast with uh, the character Kevin, who actually goes through uh, the beginning of how everything was created. He brings on producers into the podcast, all kinds of really cool stuff. Um, but he talks specifically about the very first Christmas uh, episode on the office with the video iPod. Do you remember that? I do, man. I, yeah, I'm a huge fan of the office and that, uh, oral history of the office was, I just kind of stumbled onto it actually listening to a different radio or podcast show and they had him interviewing and he talked about this and I was like, man, where do I find this? But yeah, that uh, first Christmas episode for the office that kind of put him on the map with the video iPod. And yes. uh, I think that's actually probably when I started watching the office is right around that, right around that time as well. Yeah. I think my first episode was when Michael Scott uh, burned his foot in a foreman grill. <laughs> and, and Dwight got a concussion, uh, but that that's similar. That's really close to that time period too. And it, it's there's so many interesting things in that uh, in that podcast that he's talking about, just the behind the scenes stuff. And and they didn't. What I learned uh, was that the video iPod they didn't get any endorsements for that or anything. It was just something that they decided to do. And then Apple actually gave it uh, that episode for free uh, that Christmas for everybody. And that's really what was a big spark in helping the office blow up. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what got me into it. I, um, I remember like that episode happening and I had a buddy who had actually got a video iPod for Christmas and, uh, that was one of the free things on there. And so <laughs> I can remember watching, uh, that episode on a phone and, or on an iPad or iPod 
too many eye things these days That's on, right. an, on a video iPod. That was the beginning. Right. And just, uh, kind of like, what in the world am I watching? Like, like, I, is this funny or not? And uh-huh. then it, it kind of grew on me it, and am I allowed to laugh or not? <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I had no knowledge of what was going on in England with the office or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, uh, but over the years, you know, I'm one of the, one of the office fans and here we are, what, almost 20 years later. And, uh, I think in the podcast, they mentioned that there's 52 billion minutes of the office consumed or something like that. Something ridiculous. Well, I'm one of those. So, well, it's still the go-to, right? Like when you can't find anything on Netflix, you watch the office. Yes. It's it's the go-to. And, uh, so Matt, there are a lot of iconic, uh, Christmas episodes on the office. Do you particularly have one that sticks out to you? That's your favorite or, or one that you just really, really love? Yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to the Christmas episodes, my favorite is secret Santa. And, uh, it's the episode where Jim and Dwight are the party planning committee. And yes. they decide that Phyllis is going to be Santa that year because she's always wanted to be Santa. But Michael, who's the boss, right? He always gets to be Santa. And so there's like this dueling Santa thing that happens. And so there's this scene where Michael decides that he's going to uh, do what little kids, you know, where little kids can come and sit on his lap, but he does it with all the office employees and Kevin Bumgardner, who I don't know is what 280, you know, yeah. sits on, on Michael's lap and <laughs> like seeing the faces and what's happening in the background. And oh my goodness, it's, it makes me laugh. Yeah. Every time I see it, I just fall on the ground, just laughing. That's like the, the true test of real comedy, right? Is if it still stays funny, even after you see it the first time. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. How about you? What's, what's one of your favorites? Oh uh, man. I really like a Benny Hanna Christmas, uh, when Michael is struggling because he's been dumped, uh, which everybody knows that that's the right thing. He should have been dumped. Right. But, uh, Andy and Dwight are still vying for Michael's attention. And so he takes him out to Benny Hanna and there's just so many funny things that happens in that episode when they're at the restaurant and Michael just starts eating off of everybody else's plate. And, <laughs> right. uh, and, uh, and, and Dwight gets like on the other side of the group and doesn't know what's going on. And, oh man, it just, it's really, really funny. And then he falls in love with the uh, with one of the, with waiter, the waitress, waitress, right? And brings yep. brings her to the Christmas party. Brings and her can't back remember to, which one. Is. That's right, because there's two of them. And and at, at the very beginning of the episode, they're collecting toys as as to give to kids for Christmas. And so Michael brings in his old bike to donate, which is ridiculous in the first place. And then right. he ends up giving it to this waitress, uh, <laughs> who, who ends up leaving and leaving him alone, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, uh, the office is so good. We're, um, my wife and I were watching through it on Netflix cause you know, it goes off at the end of December on Netflix. It's moving over to Peacock. Really? So, I did not yeah, know that. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be behind a paywall. And so we're watching. So we're about halfway through season seven. And so last night, actually, we watched the season seven Christmas episode where Holly comes back. And so we were giggling and having fun with that one. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty I'm not sure if you. So what you're telling me is we're going to have to start paying to watch The Office through Peacock. Is that what yeah, you're trying to say? That's what I'm saying, man. Man, man. This Christmas just got a little bleaker. That's too. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone. You're going to have to start paying for the office. Oh, bummer. Uh, Well, that's good. Uh, Man, we could 
I feel like I could talk about The Office forever. Um, there's so Maybe many Maybe a things. future pet podcast where we do That's our right. own oral history of The Office. There we go. There we go. We'll, we'll talk about what we remembered. But uh, we are entering into Christmas. It's a week and a half away. And so, Matt, I, I just thought it would be good for us to talk a little bit about why why do we celebrate Christmas? And, and I mean, the quick answer is, of course, hey, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, right? Um, but there's there's more to it than that. And and it's, it's one of these celebrations that... Uh, man, for us to really understand all of the back history behind it, I think can help us to uh, really get into that, the, the authentic Christmas spirit that we want to be into uh, mm-hmm. that isn't as dependent on what's going on in the world around us. We get to yeah. celebrate Jesus uh, regardless of our circumstances. And so I'm just going to turn it over to you. There, there's a lot of good stuff that, uh, that I know that you have to share. And so uh, why do we celebrate Christmas, Matt? Yeah, well, I think that you you nailed it, and it really comes out of right out of Luke chapter two, when uh, the angels come and visit, and they they do the line that probably all of us know because of Christmas Eve celebrations and Peanut Christmas and and right. all of and all of thank, that, right? For thank you, Charlie Brown, for all of your infinite wisdom. <laughs> That's right. So you know when the angel shows up and says, "I bring you good news of great joy," and uh, that will be for all people. Right, for unto you this day in the city of uh, David a Savior is born, and it's Christ our Lord. And like the significance of of God taking on flesh and coming is really what the Old Testament was all about. Right from the very beginning of Genesis, uh, in Genesis, in Genesis chapter three, is this understanding and this idea that as sin entered into the world, that that there would be this one who comes uh, through through humanity, right through through the line of Eve. And we'll come and save the world. We call it, you know, the first gospel. It shows up right there in Genesis chapter 3. And from that point on, throughout all of Jewish history, um, Hebrew history, uh, people are looking for the Savior. And so you you walk through and you see, like, like the next person up really is, is uh, Noah. And Noah comes on and God chooses Noah. And it's like, you know, is Noah going to be uh, the great savior of this world? And, and God hasn't built this ship and he floods the world. And uh, Noah is the one who's starting the line. And for a moment, you're like, like everything's restored. Like sin is gone. Like sin's been taken care of. And then it's not moments after they get off the ship that Noah is found in his sin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh no, like, like we're doing it again. And then you have this next figure in scripture of Abraham and Abraham lives this life. And it's just like one sinful moment after a sinful moment after a sinful moment in his life. And we fast forward and we get to Moses, right? The next great character in the old Testament. And it's like, maybe Moses is the one and uh, he's the one that's saved, right? Like miraculous saving of this little baby. Moses grows up in Pharaoh's place. And it's like, this is, this might be the one. And then he murders, right? And and you're like, no, like he's not it either. And then maybe it's King David, and and King David has his sins with Bathsheba, and and so we're always waiting throughout all of the Old Testament to the point that by the time that Jesus comes along, that there was this this really this understanding or this reality among Jewish women, like like maybe they would be the ones who would who would uh, have born the Savior, right? This child mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. promised. And then there's this 400 years of silence um, in the Old Testament. And like sometimes I think of that when we're reading it, we don't think too much of it. But the reality is, is that, you know, we've been a nation. The U.S. has been a nation for about 200 years. So you take a people 
a Hebrew people who had prophets and who God spoke to and had all of these things happen throughout their history. And then all of a sudden for 400 years, double the time that we've been a country as a U.S., there was this silence and the hopelessness that people must have felt, right? Like, is this God even real? You know, does this God even care? Has yeah, this that's, God, that's generations, yeah. right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's people living their whole life uh, saying, man, I believe in this thing that we're not hearing anything from. We yeah. don't hear from, we're not hearing from prophets. We're not hearing from God direct. Like, uh, yeah, that's really interesting what it would be like to be one of those people in that time period. Yeah. And so you start to, I can imagine that most started to lose hope, you know, in the reality that, that one would come that would ultimately take away sin and, and be the King that was promised and all of these promises that we have throughout the old Testament and, and then that, all grew of a sudden, into, that grew into an expectation too, right? Where the Israelite people are looking for a savior, not just to take away sin, but they're looking for uh, a savior that's going to put the Israelites back on top, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that was part of, that was part of what they thought, right? And so when Jesus shows up like, and starts to become the Messiah, the Messiah for the disciples and for most of God-fearing people, that the Messiah was certainly from God, but what he was bringing was freedom from Rome, right? Like, like deliver us, like Moses delivered the Hebrew people from Egypt, you're going to deliver us from Rome, and we're going to be this great nation, and God's going to be with us in this space. And what they didn't realize is that the kingdom of God really began with the death of Jesus, Yeah, you know, that this one was born, and it wasn't to be this this earthly reign and just this Middle East country, right? That, that really, that this was good news for all people. And when, when Luke writes that in Luke chapter two, for all people, we have to take that all seriously, that this isn't mm-hmm. just for the Hebrews. It's not just for the Israelites. It's just not for the faithful. It's for all people that God has, has taken on flesh in order to deal with something that we couldn't, our sin, so that we could have life forever with him. Yeah. And that's the good news of great joy that we celebrate yeah. as believers. Yeah. As you talk about these different guys in the Old Testament that they're hoping would be the guy. I just, yeah. I kept thinking of the Denver Broncos and every every quarterback <laughs> that we have. Because, <laughs> right. man, is this going to be the guy? Yeah, uh, we're, it's, the, we're looking, it's the pseudo savior, right? It's that's like, right. Is this, is this going to be the, is this the one? Is this the one? And then we watch it. We watch them not quite be what we hoped that they would be. And then uh, we, we start looking for the next guy. And so, uh, but there's also so much expectation there, right? And so, I mean, if we correlate it like a Broncos season, you know, during the off season, we always build up all of this hope. Um, and, and, and it makes me feel like a Cleveland Browns fan, you know, mm. wah, wah. <laughs> sorry, everyone out there <laughs> smoked, uh, but you know, uh, and, and now they're doing really well this season. So, uh, that's it. I told you, I can't trash talk. Every time I trash talk, it comes back to bite me. So, um, <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. But the, I just think about the expectation of, of what they're waiting for. And, uh, as a nation, they have this expectation. Uh, and, and even that's what we love about Christmas too, right? Is as, as a kid or watching our kids is that expectation, the wait for Christmas morning of, of what's going to be. And so, uh, I think that there's a lot of value in the way that we celebrate Christmas, um, Mm -hmm. uh, that can very easily correlate to how, how the Israelites were and being able to teach that to our kids through this awesome holiday of celebrating the coming of the Messiah. Yeah. That was really the driver of our sermon series that we're doing this Christmas, my Christmas gift and the Magi and what they brought to Jesus. And while those gifts were extremely practical, there was also an expectation of this is who this little baby would, would one day grow to be. 
and, you know, representing really, you know, the death and mortality, <laughs> you know, the, that one would die in order to take care of sin, yeah. but also him being fully God and being able to, uh, in the old priestly roles of, to, of really overseeing that sacrifice in a way that's mind blowing. And then ultimately the gold being the kingship of, of Jesus and the rightful place in our lives. And it's like, you know, part of the reason that we give gifts as, as Christians is because of what the Magi brought to Jesus. And we've gotten lost a little bit, I would say, probably in the consumerism of giving gifts. But the reality is, is that uh, we bring gifts and we give gifts as um, reflections of what God has given to us on that very first Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love just thinking about Jesus as the guy, right? Jesus was the fulfillment of uh, all of these different things. You can go through the Old Testament and see all of these different prophetic words of of who the guy is going to be, right? Yeah. And who the Messiah is going to be. And Jesus checks off the list. And then the flip of that is on on the other side. Uh, when Jesus does do what he said he was going to do, we do see that uh, even even throughout uh, as the story unfolds in the Bible, we see the Israelites fighting with the Gentiles and trying to decide, did Jesus come for all or not? And so I think that's worth celebrating, too, is that uh, God didn't. Yes, God used the Israelites and, and the, the Israelite and the Jews are so important to. Uh, to uh, the the story uh, that God has unfolded in the big picture, but that God didn't just abandon the rest of the world either. That we as Gentiles have been brought into that that great salvation uh, that Jesus brings through what He did for us. Absolutely, and that's that's the good news, a great joy that we celebrate every Christmas. Right, is the reality that that God came for us, that God came specifically for me. And um, when we sit back and realize that, that God left the throne room of heaven and became created, right, flesh, um, that, is, that is a humbling moment, I think, in yeah. the life of a believer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so at least around Crossroads, I don't hear a lot of people... Uh, arguing too much about Christmas of whether we should be celebrating or not. But I do sometimes hear the argument about, uh, do we really care about when Jesus was born? They're like, hey, why do you celebrate on December 25th? We knew that that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, and that's stupid, and they, they get all, you know, grinchy about it. And so um, I wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Uh, do, do, does it matter that we celebrate on December 25th, uh, even though that as we look through the story uh, in the Gospels that Jesus was probably, and actually you were mentioning you listened to a podcast where uh, it sounds like maybe Jesus was born on September 11th. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, so John Spence, who's a part of our church, uh, sends me really great articles and podcasts from time to time. And one of them was, uh, when was Jesus born? And so I sat down and it was a podcast. I read through the transcript and uh, it was long. I mean, it took me about 30 minutes to read through it. But uh, from, a, from a galaxy or astronomical uh, perspective, you know, what's happening with the stars, uh, around Jesus's birth and some of the passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament, he draws this line uh, that Jesus's birth is likely September 11th, which tradition also holds as when Noah's birthday was um, in that space. Uh, and then, you know, further down the line, what's happened to us as a country, you know, on September 11th. And so, uh, yeah, there was, it was a really interesting article 
And I don't actually know when Jesus was born, whether it was the summer or September 11th or December 25th. I'm pretty sure it wasn't December 25th, but I don't know that the actual date of his birth is a matter of like huge significance. At least it's not to me uh, celebrating what his birth stood for. We know that he was real, so we don't have to argue. But the problem is, is they didn't have birth certificates back then. So I guess that's where yeah. we get a little <laughs> yeah. um, bent out of shape on. But yeah. the cool part of that story about the September 11th story is after I read it, I came upstairs and I went to my daughter, Mercy, and my two boys were around. And I said, hey, do you guys know when Jesus was born? And they, you know, threw out December 25th and all that kind of stuff. And I said, well, I just read this really great article that he was born on September 11th. And my middle son, Cademan, was like, hey, that's Mercy's birthday. <laughs> I go, yep. I go, it, well, it is. I said, I guess that makes her a little bit more special, doesn't it? And then uh-huh. we wrestled, so it was yeah, kind of fun. That sounds right. That sounds a little good. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, well, let, we're going to continue on the Christmas theme today uh, as we move into our Ask Anything segment. So let's go ahead and jump into that. Ask anything. Ask anything. Ask anything. All right, our Ask Anything question today, uh, Matt, is why does Crossroads celebrate Easter and Christmas when they have pagan origins? And I think this is one that uh, a lot of people get hung up on as well, is should we even be celebrating Christmas the way that it's celebrated? Should we participate in in the cultural celebration of Christmas and Easter uh, when the reality is, is that where they began was not out of the church, but out of uh, secular spaces. And so um, I'll go ahead and let you uh, start uh, chiming in on, on answering that question for us. And then I'll, I'll give you my thoughts as well. Yeah. So uh, this question shows up every Christmas and Easter. And so I think I maybe have been pretty good at answering it, or at least I, I've been able to define what my answer is in it. And when it comes to this, I'm really pretty empathetic to this question because I'm a person who tries really hard to distangle like the things that we do, the traditions from like the biblical mandates given to us in the Bible. And I know for you as well, Jared, that that's a big deal uh, to you. We actually did a whole podcast on tradition versus biblical mandates. Uh, I think it's probably because it's both a passion of ours. And so I understand why uh, this gets, why this gets asked. And so I guess in terms of the question, just acknowledging, um, from a pastoral perspective that Christmas and Easter have pagan origins attached to them. Like we know when it comes to Christmas, that bells and candies or candles and holly and Yuletide decorations, um, are all mentioned in the history of pagan worship. They just are. Um, Easter has its origins in the goddess of, uh, Estre, and um, who they believed was really um, kind of the, the god of spring in that space. And so when it comes to crossroads, um, the way that I like to answer it is that we don't really sweat the realities that uh, these two holidays, Christmas and Easter, point to pagan roots. And the reason that we don't sweat it is because the pagan roots are so far gone that the present meaning doesn't actually carry the pagan connotation anymore. Um, In fact, I would make the argument that the only people who are concerned with the pagan roots um, are Christians themselves, that everyone else seems to just see them as as Christian holidays, particularly when it comes to to Christmas. And so while I say that, um, I also understand that all language is important, right? And it's also true that all language has roots somewhere. So um, maybe just let me give you two examples of it. One is uh, when it comes to the days of our week that the days of our week grew out of 
pagan worship, out of pagan names. Now, nobody throws a fit that we say Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Um, and so on. Nobody throws a fit that our, that the no, days of the gonna week. No, but I'm going to start. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, nobody says like, hey, we shouldn't worship on Sunday because of pagan names, right? Um, but the word Sunday actually comes from a time when there was worship of the sun. Um, another example when it comes to words that we use is the word holy. That when it comes to holy in the Old Testament, what it means is to be set apart or sanctified. That's how we understand the English word holy. But the actual word holy comes from the Old English uh, word, which actually meant holly, as in like holly trees. And holly trees were considered a sacred plant, both in pre-Christian Celtic and in Roman pagan worship. And so my question to believers oftentimes is should we stop using the words Sunday and holy because at one time they might have related to pagan worship? And the answer to that's no. That would be silly, right? Like in modern English, Sunday doesn't carry the connotation anymore, and nor does the word holy um, have that nature, right? And so Christmas now means that we mark in Christian ways the birth of Jesus. The pagan roots of Christmas are completely gone, that nobody would actually be able to tell you the Christmas roots of in pagan worship, right? And so my encouragement, I guess, is instead of worrying about the etymology or, or certain markers and why they land on certain days, that our worry should be how do we redeem and celebrate the cultural markers that are perceived as Christians for the glory of God? and to not allow them to enter into what I would call like this new paganism of sorts, particularly when it comes to Christmas, which is wrapped all around consumerism, right? Like we don't have to worry about the pagan uh, roots of this holiday Christmas when we celebrate that now it's a Christian holiday that celebrates a real person, Jesus. But the problem for Christians is, is that we're so concerned about the pagan roots that we've actually lost the new paganism which has wrapped it around secular consumerism, which yeah. is probably sadder for me. See, I thought that the root to the word holy was the status of my socks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that could probably maybe be it. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that, I, I read a different dictionary than you do, I think, though. So, uh, <laughs> no, uh, that's really good, Matt. And uh, I think I, I'm right there with you that I think that the reality is, is less about the root of what it is and more about... Uh, what are we investing our time in when it comes to this holiday season? Where where are we putting our emphasis? Um, and and I mean, the, I have questions like this all the time too. Uh, so if we're we're trying to figure out how do we celebrate Christmas in a way that honors God, uh, then what do we do with Santa Claus? I mean, because Santa mm. Claus is is one that came in and I mean has uh, is obviously it's one that is very secularized. It, you have people that. Hey, oh yeah, it's the birth of Jesus, but really we celebrate Christmas because Santa Claus is going to bring us gifts um, and, and, and all kinds of different things that go along with that. Uh, where uh, I know that the, there's the root of, of St. Nicholas and, and all of those things and, and the things that he did, uh, which, I mean, it's St. Nicholas, right? So yeah. uh, maybe maybe you can tell us a little bit more about who was Nicholas and what did he do and then and why, why has he turned into something that is really battling against... Or, or, and maybe we can have that conversation too. Is it battling against, um, you know, our, our celebration of, of Jesus being born? Yeah, well, when it comes to Santa, you know, and the mythological Santa, it's founded in a man named Nicholas, who is actually the Bishop of Myra in the fourth century. And from what we know, uh, St. Nick, as we know him, 
uh, honored Jesus with his life and his possessions, right? That he gave freely of his riches to benefit those who are less fortunate than him. Um, that this was, and still is, right? Like clearly a fundamental Christian principle um, of caring and proclaiming to the poor that we see throughout all of scripture. And so St. Nick lived that out in his life. Now, <laughs> over time, like most things, right? Um, like what we just talked about with Christian uh, entering into this new paganism, that what started as good um, ultimately shifts to something something different. And so now we have mythical Santa, who in some ways is, uh, I don't know uh, how I would say it, uh, pseudo-gospel, maybe is the right word to say it, right? Like, like parents going, hey, you better watch out, you know? Uh, you better not be naughty, right? You want to be nice uh-huh. uh, because you're going to be rewarded in this way. And in some ways, taking the story of the gospel, or at least parts of the story of the gospel, and uh, shifting it into this mythological figure that doesn't have a lot to do with with the gospel and that. And so when it comes to Santa, you know, um, I know that there are people who have strong feelings on both sides of the Uh equation, both Christian and non. It is 2020 after all. (laughs) It is, yeah. (laughs) yeah. And we had a staff member once, uh, five, six years ago, (laughs) uh, who was doing a good news club in a public school, and uh, she was convicted and felt it in that moment that she needed to discredit Santa in front of all these elementary school kids. Um, you can only imagine how well that went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, we have a guy on staff who makes a pretty good argument that, you know, the belief in Santa is actually one of, uh, is a good step in uh, young kids' life to understand uh, a savior, what a savior is, particularly a savior that you can't physically see in front of you. Um, the way that my wife and I have handled Santa is uh, we he's, he's a part of the celebration, but he's not a big deal, right? Like the focus is on Jesus and what Jesus has done. And then the gifts from Santa um, are usually pretty small and have some meaning to them in terms of, um, you know, what we're trying to speak to our kids in in the Christmas season. Yeah, we celebrate Santa as well. Um, Christiana actually a few years ago, uh, I mean, ties in that, that Santa will bring three gifts, just like the three wise men brought, you know? Um, and so it's usually, uh, a book, some clothes, and then a fun gift, but correlating to that to the, the myrrh, frankincense and, and gold. Mm, That's Um, really cool. But we also are very intentional to say the reason that Santa brings gifts is to remind us of what Jesus did for us, you know, and, and and kind of pushing, pushing Santa into the space of actually he's worshiping the true God as well. You Mm -hmm. know, uh, Santa, he's great. He's doing really nice things for us. And we, we appreciate that. But the reason he does it is because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus does for us. And so putting, putting them in the right place, you know, uh, is that's how we handle it. I know that some people go the route of, man, we just don't want Santa uh, to be a part of our house. Uh, you know, people, I know people that have gone as far as to say there's demonic implications of having Santa part of your house. And so, uh, it's one of those things that, um, man, I guess you just have to kind of wrestle with it in your own heart and really be prayerful about we We had a great uh, podcast last time about the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? And so how does the Holy Spirit lead you as you try to navigate how much of, of the sexual, the secular 
Man, that was <laughs> quite the slip there. Uh, the secular, not sexual, the secular, uh, allowing that to uh, be a part of your own home. And, but that goes beyond Christmas, right? I mean, that, that, you could say that about the office, right? We're talking about the office. How much, I mean, the office is in no way trying to bring glory to God. Even that one episode that, that you love where uh, Michael ends up pretending to be Jesus, you know? And That's I think right. that, I believe the line is, uh, hey, Jesus, sorry, your birthday party's so lame or something like that. You know, I mean, and and so uh, it, we have to have those consistencies in our lives. And we really need we we really need the help of the Holy Spirit to help drive us to a place where we're able to not be so disconnected from the world that we can't understand how to relate with people. But at the same time, protecting our hearts from uh, from allowing things to come in that God doesn't want us to have. Absolutely. And I think, I think you summed it up well. I think that when it comes to culture, there's cultural realities, you know, Santa is a cultural reality. And so how do we take that cultural reality of Santa and move it in such a way that brings, uh, glory to God, right? How do we, how do we shine upon the true meaning of Christmas, Jesus in this, in this season, quick, funny story. Um, one of the things that Santa does in our house is, uh, the stockings. Basically that's his only job is to fill Uh stockings, um, with these gifts and stuff. And so, uh, one day Theo came out and he was, he was young, maybe kindergarten. He still believed in Santa and he came out and he looked at his stuff in his stockings and he said, dad, he goes, how come Santa is so cheap? Like my mama, Whoa. Uh, yeah. Whoa. And I just, I just started <laughs> laughing and I just looked at him and I said, son, one day it's all going to make sense, brother. Uh-huh. It's all going to make sense. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's good. Well, Matt, thanks so much for chatting with me today. We, if you guys are listening to this, we want to just put out there that we have a lot of really cool things happening on Christmas Eve. Um, if you have, uh, not registered yet, uh, please register for our Christmas Eve service, uh, both at Thornton and Fort Lupton, uh, at Thornton. Uh, I know stuff's filling up quick. Uh, and so just know that we want you to be a part of that. We're going to be outside. We're going to have some fire pits. We're going to be singing Christmas carols together. It's going to be an amazing time. If you can't make it to a physical location we also have our christmas eve service that is going to be online you can go to crossroadsabc.live and check out our online christmas eve service Uh, both of those are going to be great options we have really cool things coming up in 2021 as well man i'm just excited about what god is doing with us through crossroads church through our social media man there's a lot of cool things on the horizon guys thanks for sticking with us today we'll look forward to talking to you next time 